Hello and welcome to Top Deck Heroes. I'm your host as always, Zachary Bellin, here today joined by uh, no one. So as part of here at Top Deck Heroes, with the others taking more backseat co-host role, today I've ended up actually hosting this episode by myself, uh, which is just as well because I'm going to be going into some explanation for a new series that we're going to be running on this podcast. So you may have noticed today's episode is called Every Mono White Commander Ranked, and as that title implies, yes, I plan to do all of them all the colors, all the themes even, and throughout we'll be uh, speckled in with a variety of guests that'll be putting in their opinions on my list for each and every color col color combination. So today we're starting at the top of the color pie with white. Before we get started explaining the commanders, I wanted to just go through explaining the system I used to do this. Obviously, best is quite the superlative to give anything, and especially in our format. Commanders played by a wide variety of people for a wide variety of reasons, and everyone has different opinions on what makes a commander the best. I judged commanders based on three categories that I believe summarize most people's opinions on this kind of thing. This is power, flexibility, and design. Power is weighted most heavily of them all. On a scale of 0 to 10, this is a ranking of how powerful the commander is. Uh, this can be power in its colors, but especially it is power in raw card value. What does having this commander castable from the command zone at any time mean for deck building? Flexibility encourages commanders that are good in a wide variety of different deck types. For example, Brea, while a very powerful commander, is a commander that is useful in one very specific type of deck. While she's great at being a controlling artifact commander, she's not so great at doing much of anything else. On the other hand, a commander like Atraxa supports a wide variety of decks, ranging from Infect to Super Friends to 1-1 counters or even more gimmicky builds. Finally, design is a measure of both a card's unique design aspects and of flavor. Obviously, flavor is very important to some commander players, myself included. And those three categories are then added together to give a total score for each commander. Obviously, there's a lot more commanders than there are numbers, so some of the rankings, especially in the early numbers, are pretty loose. Once we get to about 10 or more total points, I'll go a little bit more in-depth into why the commanders got ranked as they did. Um, so that is pretty much uh, I'm using on this show. So today, we are doing my... We're going to start off right at the bottom of our list with two commanders that earned only a single point. Huang Zhangshu General and Guan Yu Sainted Warrior. Both of these were portal commanders, directly referencing uh, Chinese history, and they're, they're just not very interesting cards. 
They're essentially vanilla overpriced. Moving along. At two points, we have Roshka the Slayer, the card that I recently had to build a deck around for a random commander challenge several episodes ago on this show. Um, again, she's a vanilla creature. That's one thing very common with a lot of these early cards. They are either really, really specific in what they do, or they're overpriced vanilla creatures. Next up, coming at three points each, we have Major Tarot, Siddhar Javari, and Pengtong Young Phoenix. They are mostly plagued by the same problems as previous ones, mostly zeros in multiple categories. Moving along, no, most of these cards don't have any zeros in them, but still aren't doing that great. These are cards that came in at four total points. We have Cho Mano, Revolutionary, Lieutenant Kurtar, Orim, Samite Healer, Hikari, Twilight Guardian, Hazder the Abbot, Zhao Zilong, Tiger General, Rashida Scalebane, Maverin Fane, Dusk Apostle, and Zhang Fei, Fierce Warrior. Once more, primarily these are early cards, although we do have most notably the recent commander, Maverin Fane, Dusk Apostle, showing up with only four points because he is supporting an archetype that doesn't exist in this format. Next up at five points, we have cards that are still just, just not great. I can't think of a single reason you'd ever want to run any of these cards. They are Gerard Capation, Piana Nobad Captain, Tividar of Thorn, Kentaro the Smiling Cart, Lu Bei Lord of Shu. Again, here we have commanders that are simply not meant to be used in our format, or are strictly worse than other commanders. In some cases, much, much, much worse. In the six-point category, we have Hakori, Dust Drinker, Jareth, Leonin Titan, Kong Ming, Sleeping Dragon, Lindala, the Preserver, Oris, Samite Guardian, and Nagao, Bound by Honor. Mostly, this category falls into cards that do not properly support the commander format, uh, such as Lindala the Preserver, who wants you to be at worse life in a mono-white deck, so that won't really be happening, and essentially vanilla creatures. Notably, Hokuri Dust Drinker made it this low simply because it's not something that plays the way commander should play. Mass land destruction to everyone at the table all the time is not exactly fun magic. Next up at 7 points, we have Mangara of Corindor, Gisela the Broken Blade, Hyxis, Prison Warden, Commander Isha, General Jarkeld, and Myogen of Cleansing Fire. Mostly these are cards that while they do have interesting mechanical effects, they are still just not very good. Even Gisela is probably the best of the a lot, but even her, there's mostly no reason to run her over the other half of her mailed card, and even then, you're not really getting a great deal there. Next on this list, we have Radiant Archangel, Mageta the Lion, Kanda, Lord of Ainjago, Yomiji, who bars away, Opalai, Kanda's Yojimbo, and Kiyomaro, first to stand. Man, the biggest thing inflating these numbers is definitely Kamigawa Legends, which gave us a lot, a lot of samurai legends like Kanda and Yomiji and Opalai and Kiyomaro first to stand in this list alone. 
These are cards that are essentially uh, overvalued vanilla creatures. I'd say Kanda, Lord of Jago, is probably the best of a lot. Even then, playing with a creature that's a worse 7-7 seven, seven or 8 mana is just not fantastic. And in the final category, I'm going to be breezing through at 9 total points. We have a Chroma, Angel of Wrath, Celestial Kirin, Bridget, Hero of Kinsbale, Michiko Kanda, Truthseeker, Soraya the Falconer, Katakai, the War's Wage, Atlea, Samite Master, Takeno, Samurai General, and Patron of the Kitsune. Finally, we're starting to get into some cards that have some actual power level and uniqueness to them, but at this point, they are mostly still just worse versions of other cards you could be playing, or are trying to cram you into an archetype that doesn't really exist, uh, such as Bridget, Hero of Kinsbale, or Celestial Kirin. Finally, we make our way to double digits. At 10 total points, and these cards will merit a slightly larger explanation, we have Oketra the True, who is, at this point, mostly due to her low power level compared to other cards that support the same go-wide strategy. Raksha, Golden Cub, who, again, supports the equipment strategy, which isn't a bad one, but the one that simply has better generals in Mono White alone. We have Rhea Dawnbringer, who is a decently powerful card, but is far too expensive for what she does. Sensei Golden Tail, who, get who gets this high mostly out of how neat his effect is. Being able to turn things into samurai isn't really powerful, but it's definitely a fun thing to be doing. We have Iona, Shield of Ameria, who, similar to Rhea, is here because as immensely powerful and almost game-locking as this card is, it costs 8 mana in a mono-white deck. You're simply not going to get that very early, and by the time she comes out, it doesn't do as much good to shut off a color anymore. We have Nahiri, the Lithomancer, another mono-white equipment general, and one that just fails to live up to the standard of strictly better cards. Above her, we have Kemba, the Ka Regent, who is one of the better mono-white equipment generals, to be honest. Uh, being able to just suit her up for a Voltron attack while also being able to spawn an army of lions is pretty great, but it just falls flat in many ways. And finally, at the highest ranking in the 10-point category, we have Odric Lunark Marshall. This is the new Odric from Shadows Over Innistrad. Um, Odric mostly is this low because he supports this go-wide creature strategy that is a very very common one in mono-white generals, and just doesn't do it as well as some of them. He can definitely make some powerful boards, but not as strong as some of the ones coming later on this list. In the 11-point category, we're starting off with Bruna, the Fading Light. So this is the other half of Brazella, and it is just a far better commander to have sitting in your command zone than Gisela is. While Gisela is powerful and fast, Bruna is giving you an effect you'd like to have repeatedly. Even if she is more expensive. And that cost is why she is as low as she is. Linvala, Keeper of Silence, another impressively powerful and oppressive card. Uh, she is this low mostly due to the fact that her design is something that's generally discouraged. It's going to be hated on a lot, and that keeps her from being as strong as she could be. We have 
Oyobi, who split the heavens. Another one of those many, many Kamigawa legends that have swarmed this mono white list. He has the problem of, again, trying to push him to an archetype that doesn't exist. He's a mono white spirit or arcane general. And while the payoff for it is pretty solid, there just aren't enough playable spirit and arcane cards in mono white for him to be a good general. We have Yosei, the Morning Star, and whew, I am getting tired of all of these Kamigawa names. Yosei is another powerful one for being able to slow people down when he dies. Um, but frankly, for his cost and for the fact that he needs to die in order to do what he does, it's just not that great. We have Masako, the humorless, another lock commander. She is still not incredibly powerful, but at least has the strength of being able to come down with Flash and immediately surprise someone. But in general, she's trying to push for that same creature go wide strategy. That just isn't that great. In the same category, we have Jazal Goldmane, Johnny's brother, uh, who. It's very cool to have an overrun in white, especially one attached to a powerful good rate creature like Jazal. But the fact that it doesn't give trample kind of makes it lose a lot of what makes this kind of strategy so powerful. We have Anna Fenza Kins, Tree Spirit, another option for a go-wide white creature strategy. Um, she has the strength of coming down earlier than most of her competition at only two mana, but her effect is pretty limited unless you are really, really putting creatures down and then you run into Mono White's biggest weakness and its lack of card draw. We have Lin Sivy, Divine Hero, the better of the two rebel heroes. Um, she is this, though, mostly because her archetype, while it does exist, is just, it's not as good as many of the things you can do in this format. Uh, Micaias the Lunark, another very interesting one, another one that encourages having a wide board of creatures and has no way to protect that board of creatures against a wrath. Finally, at the top of the 11-point category, we have Isamaru, Hound of Kanda. And I feel like I'm going to get some hate for this. I know this is a lot of people's favorite general in Mono White. He's ranked this low because Devite his very high power. His flexibility is limited. He's a one-drop that you put a bunch of things on. And while he does that job well, he doesn't do anything else as a commander particularly well. And his design is so... boring, effectively. He is cool to have a one-drop legendary like this, but he's a vanilla tutu, and there's not much else to say about his design, so he is this low. The 12-point category is actually pretty small, only two commanders. We have Avisyn, Guardian Angel, so this was Avisyn from her, I believe, M15 appearance. Uh, it's the worst incarnation of her on a card, able to give protection, protection from players. Honestly, not that great, but... Better than many of the angels we've had on this list off of how low her mana cost is. Finally, uh, at the top of the 12-point category, we have Odric, Master Tactician. This is the original Odric, and one of the better contenders for this mono-white commander, as he can force through damage much more effectively than even someone like Jazal Goldman. All right. 
Going into the 13-point category, we have D with eyes open. Dujero gets this high because even though his power isn't quite as high, this is a very interesting effect to have attached to your commander, and he got major points for his design. Dujero has the ability to fetch Planeswalkers out of your deck into your hand, and that is a very solid way to combat White's problems with card draw. Being able to whip out an Ajani or an Elspeth can very easily change the game. Krovax, Ascendant Hero, and while we're at it, Heliod, God of the Sun, are both here because they are supporting that go-wide creature strategy. Uh, probably the best of anyone here. Krovax is giving your team very good buffs, similar to, for example, something we're going to talk about in the next category, but at a much better rate. And Heliod is handing out Vigilance, which there are several ways you can do some very silly things with. Next, we have Darien, King of Keldor. Uh, he got these points for, again, design. He's a very cool design for a soldier tribal commander, and probably the best option for soldier tribal, besides possibly Ojirk Master Tactician. Above him, we have Balin, one wandering knight from the Commander 17 set. Uh, Balin got here for his ability to instantly suit himself up, the fact that he can be removed and then pretty swiftly put back on all of the equipment that he just lost, edges him a little over Isamaru to me, just because it makes for a more interesting design. Next in this category, we have Eight and a Half Tails, another very powerful commander. This is just a general white commander that doesn't push a certain strategy, and that flexibility earned him some points here. In general, he's also pretty strong, being able to turn excess mana into protection for valuable creatures. But at the top of the 13-point category, we have Runetail, Kitsune Ascendant, who flips into Runetail's Essence. Uh, he's notable for the fact that in Commander, if you play him before you lose life, he will immediately flip due to him requiring you to have more than 30 life. And he flips to give you a pretty silly effect. Let's see here. Once he flips into Runetail's Essence, he prevents all damage that would be dealt to creatures you control, making all of your creatures much, much more difficult to push, and making him, again, a really great option for this mono-white go-wide deck that these commanders insist exists, and again, much stronger than many of the ones we met earlier. That finishes off our 13-point category and puts us into 14 points. Here we're looking first at Brimaz, Hero of Oreskos. Brimaz, for most of his run, has been just an interesting option for a mono-white commander, but with the recent support cats have gotten in mono-white from Commander 17, he becomes a really interesting option for being able to just pump so many tokens onto the field so quickly. Right above him, we have Kithian, Hero of Akros, who transforms into Gideon Battleforge, one of the only ten playable Planeswalkers as commanders. Kithian is another very nice option for Soldier, or Go Wide, in Mono White. The transformed Gideon that he becomes, while far from the best Gideon, is certainly not something you're going to have argue... Certainly not something you're going to argue having sitting around. Above that, we have Sram, Senior Edificer, another card that knocked Isamaru so low on this list. 
SRAM is a great option for making that small creature equipment Voltron strategy, but also has the bright side of drawing you cards for playing cards you probably want to play anyways, and for being able to work with other strategies such as the go-wide equipment strategy that NASA is pushing. Next we have Elish Nor and Grand Channel Bite. Again, another extremely powerful card, buffing your entire team and dropping your entire opponent's team. But for 8 mana, there's just better stuff you can be doing for a mono-white commander. And that better stuff is one of the only three commanders we have left. We're now in the top three, and at third place, the top 14-point commander was Thalia, Heretic Cathar. This is the 3-drop Thalia from Shadows Over Innistrad. She fills a very similar role to our number two commander, Thalia, Guardian of Throb, and the two-drop from Innistrad. Both of them are very good early drop creatures. They trade well for much of the game, and they really promote one of the better strategies in white, which is this very staxy, rocky deck that tries to make up for white's natural lack of card drawn ramp. Finally, coming in at first place, we have... Avacyn, Angel of Hope. This is the original Avacyn from Avacyn Restored, uh, and this is the best thing you can be doing for this much mana. This is what pushed Elishnorn and Iona so low on my list, is simply that for 8 mana, there's very little that beats turning your entire board indestructible. She can be difficult to interact with, she makes a goat-wide board state resistant to wipes, and in many ways is simply the best thing you can do at the top end of a mono-white curve. Alright, and that wraps up our list. So, uh, in future weeks, I'm going to be going through more colors, continuing my way around the color circle, and I should be joined on some others, so it's less of me solitarily talking about cards. But let me know what you thought of this new episode, let me know what you thought of the ranking system, and of my ranks for these mono-white commanders. All I can say about this list is, man, it is hard to go through all 81 legal mono-white commanders. Especially when so many of them are just so poor. Going through these, the bottom nine and under points, it's so hard to divide up what is better between Rashida Scalebane or Tividar of Thorn. So many specific weird creatures, especially in white. But I think this commander list does hold up that white is certainly one of the worst colors in commander. Especially, like, even just the power of the top ten is so hit and miss. Well, I'll be looking forward to doing some other more interesting colors in the coming weeks. And next week, we will have blue. See you next time.